I cried three times during this movie? I can. I can, because this is a very core film for both of us. It's going to be one of those episodes. I felt like, while watching this, I felt like nine-year-old Carrie Ann and five-year-old Ross were sitting on the floor in front of me watching this on the television. Like so nice. That big, ugly brown entertainment center (laughs) with a very bulbousy television in it. Wore that VHS out. Oh, I love Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where twas beauty that raised the beast. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are welcoming you to our very special Mother's Day episode (laughs) of Kicking and Streaming, where we are covering Disney's 1998 epic adventure classic, Mighty Joe Young. You did not call it a classic. Do you know how badly this movie bombed? I know. It's special to us. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. It's classic in this booth and this booth alone. Okay? Guys, this is a very core movie. And a remake. And a remake. Oh, my God. Two Disney films that are remakes in a row. Oh, my God. Yeah, because we just did Flubber. Did you listen? Go back and listen. No, you have to do it in order. Go back. You you don't, but... You you don't know. Regardless, we're all grateful for you being here. Guys, as you know, we're doing potpourri this month, so we're glad that you're with us here. So, yeah, guys, let's get started. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget to practice the three R's, folks. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join our little potpourri watch party this month. Do you want to tell them about the Patreon? You know I do, guys. There has never been a better time to give us your money. <laughs> guys, for just five $5 a month, you can get access to all of our bonus content over there on the Patreon. You get access to all of our television coverage. We only do movies on main feed, but we do television on the Patreon. Our TV coverage, our long-form coverage. There's 50 bajillion episodes of John Adams from HBO and The Haunting of Hill House from Netflix over there waiting for you right now. And more long-form is coming this year. Guys, I'm re-listening to the long-form coverages from last year because they're so Good. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. And guys, you know what? It's just $5 a month. You get guaranteed two posts a month. You can get a little shoot in the shit, maybe some quiz shows stacked against each other. You know, like it's a lot of fun over on the Patreon. It's a lot of fun. And uh, just $5 a month. But guys, if you want access to our full catalog of main feed goodness, you just go on over to our Podbean page. You can get a custom RSS link there and listen to any player of your choosing because for some reason, Spotify and Apple won't load all of our episodes. (laughs) I get it. There's only so much data to store. We get it. All right. Are you ready to go on safari? Uh, that I don't. I, <laughs> what? No, I will never go on safari. And you want to know why? Because <laughs> you know better than to mess with, you know, dangerous animals. Colonialism. That also. That's also a good reason. <laughs> the way Africa has just been, pardon my phrasing, raped by the white man ever since people realized Africa was a place you could go. Yeah. I just, uh in the classic tradition of Disney entertainment comes this year's holiday movie event. They were orphaned from childhood. Promise me you'll protect. I promise. 
best friends for life. He's playing with you. Hide and seek. You found me! Good thing Joe didn't want to play doctor. You think he's okay back there? He's doing fine. Now, after 20 years... Look at him. He won't eat. If he stays in here, he'll die. Their greatest adventure is about to begin. Oh, my God. All right, Jose. That was so cool. Joe needs me. Once you meet him, you'll never forget. Joe! Disney's Mighty Joe Young. Can you get him to put me down? Joe? Drop him. Guys, the, the villain in this movie are the human beings. Absolutely. They're, yeah, like, there's just, I, I don't want any qualms about that. <laughs> the people made this happen. Now, guys, this movie is directed by one Ron Underwood. He directed... Tremors. Yes, he did. From 1990, about the the big carnivorous sandworms <laughs> in the Western United States. When I saw that movie for the first time, I was freaked for weeks. <laughs> Even with Reba McIntyre. Yes, <laughs> me jumping from furniture piece to furniture piece, <laughs> afraid of the worms because the worms gonna come up through our crawl space and eat me. <laughs> Ron, that was truly whack. Thank you for Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> All right. This is based on the 1949 film Mighty Joe Young, or also known as Mr. Joseph Young of Africa. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, I know. How respectful. <laughs> He's a proper little gentleman or big gentleman. This is distributed by RKO. Ooh. Yeah, it's an old it's an old uh, picture distributor, RKO Radio Pictures. Um, it was big in the 30s and in the 40s. I feel like they also distributed King Kong. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. No, the gorilla trope uh -huh. from 1933 onwards because of the success of King Kong. They were like, it's been 16 years. We need another big gorilla moneymaker. <laughs> kind of like Godzilla. Yeah, and uh, the first Mighty Joe Young barely broke even. <laughs> barely. 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 And, you know, it follows the same plot elements as this plot does, as this narrative does today that we're covering from the 1998 remake. It's about a woman named Jill who lives in Africa who takes care of this colossal gorilla <laughs> and the shenanigans that ensue. Yeah. <laughs> the remake, obviously, would be more successful amongst audiences but did not break even. Yeah. For as good as we think this movie is, it lost... $40 million. The lack of popularity in this movie makes me wonder how it magically appeared in our house one day. Well, th this is not a movie that we saw in theaters. No, it's not. And therefore would not have asked for on home video. I couldn't tell you about a first time seeing this because yeah. we always just had it. Mm -hmm. Or at least in my mind. Exactly. You know, and you're but you're a little bit older than me, so you say it just magically appeared one day. I mean, hey, there there are a lot of VHSs we owned over the years that just magically appeared in the home without either of us ever asking for it. Maybe and it was a present. Maybe it was a present. Maybe an aunt and uncle, a grandparent bought it for us. And yeah. And they put it in our little arsenal of VHSs. And mom being so good at evaluating movies by looking at the cover going, oh, it's a big gorilla and Charlize Theron. Uh, yeah. This is fine. And guys, you know who does this score? 
You know, James Newton Howard is my favorite composer. James Horner is up there. Oh, yeah. James Horner does every James Cameron score. (laughs) Titanic. (laughs) He wrote My Heart Will Go On. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. And he did... He's done all the avatars and the alien movies. Yeah, baby. He's a great composer. And I just think one of this film's biggest attractions is for some reason the music. Oh, we'll come back to wind song. Like they just, uh, it makes me feel safe and excited. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Exactly. The, the, like like, like we've been saying, we've said it three times already, this movie's very core mm-hmm. for us. And so we are very transported anytime we see this movie. And we've, neither one of us has seen this movie for a very long time. It's been a very long time. So this is very special. And yeah, we're doing it as our Mother's Day coverage, but like, <laughs> listen, there's, there's something motherly about this plot. No, like, listen, my original pitch for this month was doing mother quote movies about mothers of fur babies which we all know there's a million movies about people who own dogs yes that we could have done and none of them really tapped into the motherhood aspect of it no so we backed off of it in favor of potpourri but this was my emotional choice for this month absolutely (laughs) and folks you might have guessed it Oh, but we've got names. A lot of random returning names. I know. I'm excited. Guys, starring as Jill Young, we have Charlize Theron. And guys, I'm thinking that her appearance in this movie is part of what made us both queer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have notes about that later. Because I bet you looked at her as a little girl and was like, hmm, <laughs> she's a little um <laughs> hot. Ooh. But like, you know, in a... In an Officer Sybil Bennett way <laughs> from Silent Hill. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I would look at her and be like, God, I want to wear that dress. <laughs> and oh, I want to be her best friend. Yeah, you know? No, exactly. Like, very early indicator. She is actually South African. She is actually from South Africa. Charlize Theron is. So congratulations, Disney. You managed to cast someone who was at least from the continent. Mm, but whose ancestors are not. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Almost there. You almost got it. Almost got it. Cider House Rules, The Devil's Advocate, Eileen Wuornos in Monster. <gasps> we will cover that eventually. From 2003, Ooh. she won the Academy Award for Monster. I should hope so. For Best Actress. Hancock, Snow White and the Huntsman. Yes. <gasps> I know. Remember that video of her explaining how to walk like a queen? I know. Drop your shoulders, look ahead, and think murder. Give me just a breath of life. Just a touch of heavenly life, Kristen Stewart. (laughs) Guys, please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming. As Professor Gregory (laughs) O'Hara, the everyman of motion pictures. (laughs) Mr. Bill Paxton. This has got to be either his third or fourth time. He was with us when we did Titanic. Of course. He was with us when we did Twister. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, I think that's it, sweetheart. Yeah, but you know what I was thinking as I was watching this? For some reason, Bill Paxton almost always plays a PhD of some kind. No, that's the thing. That's what when and when we did Titanic, I remember when we did We've Got Names for Titanic and I described him as the everyman of film. Uh-huh. Because he's a soldier in aliens. Uh-huh. You know, he's a zoologist in this. Yes. He's a mariner in Titanic. Uh-huh. He's 
a meteorologist in Twister. He's a psychologist in the Evening Star. Yeah, and you you love the Evening Star. <laughs> Guys, Tombstone, Apollo 13, Edge of Tomorrow, oh, HBO's Big Love. Oh, boy. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Yeah, God love him. Uh, God love you. We miss you. Yeah. We miss you. We wish you were here to be in things. I love that in this movie, he's still got his Brock Lovett energy. <laughs> you know, he, mm. he he's creating a problem. He's the <laughs> instigator of the problem in this narrative. Yes. But more on that later. <laughs> Playing Mighty Joe Young himself. And yes, someone does play him. <laughs> because the character of the colossal gorilla... Yes. That is Mighty Joe Young. It is both computer animated, but it is mostly live action. Yeah, like puppetry, animatronics. It is a puppeteer named John Alexander. He's the main performer inside the big fucking Joe suit. <laughs> and there are several other people who are also operating the gorilla. Isn't that amazing? And those are uh, Mark Set... Mark Mark Setrakian, Mike Elizalde, Jurgen Hyman, and Stephen Sherman. So these five men are operating <laughs> this big gorilla on a green screen, and he's then being edited into all of the shots of the film. Oh, and I love it. But he's also, in actual shots of the film, this gigantic gorilla puppet that they put John Alexander in and have him... Is he on stilts, like, inside of it? <laughs> I don't know. It boggles the mind. The the editing in this film. There are such great sequences in this film, putting making you believe that we are in the presence of this colossal gorilla. There are really bad scenes in this film that are poorly edited as well, but it's like there's a nice balance, you know? You look at you're watching one scene and you're like, oh, that looks really good. Mm -hmm. He looks really there. <laughs> yeah. And then there are times where you're like, who did this? <laughs> what is going on? And uh, also playing Tiny, ba the baby the baby version of uh, Mighty Joe Young, is Vern Troyer. Yes! You'll know him. He's Mini-Me from the Austin Powers series. <laughs> yes, he is. He also plays Grip Hook in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a, a role that would be replaced by Warwick Davis for the last and installments. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. Vern Troyer. He passed away about five years ago. Aww. I know. Uh, playing Andre Strasser, the ruthless Romanian poacher, we have Rade Serbizija. Ooh, that was very good. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at that and going, oh. He's I'm... Croatian. Yeah. You'll know him from Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> he plays a lot of bad guys. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Are you seeing what I knew? I didn't know this. Are, are you talking about... Harry uh, Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1? Oh. Oh, you don't? Okay, so you don't know either. Oh, we were talking about two different things. What are He's you... Grigorovich. Oh. I've never known that. Oh, my good grief. Well, the makeup on Grigorovich in that movie is so good to begin with, but, like, I couldn't tell that the... That monster! I couldn't tell that was him under all of that. See, I thought you were about to bring up the Downton Abbey movie sequel... Oh, is he? Yes, the a new era. Yes, the love interest, or maybe it's in the show. He's Prince Karagin. Yes, yes, the Russian prince that Maggie Smith was in love with and almost left her family for. Yes, the Dowager <laughs> Countess. What were you doing in the 1880s? 
Anyway. Oh, my God. Enough wrist flapping. I did not know this was him. Wow. He's very good. He just has that villain quality playing Dr. Cecily Banks, a zoologist at the California Animal Conservancy. We have Regina King. Actual royalty. Hey, not, girl. Not actual royalty, <laughs> but she's royalty among us. Her name is literally Queen King. Yeah. No, Regina <laughs> King. <laughs> we love Regina King. Ugh. The Boondocks. Yes, baby. I love The Boondocks. <laughs> One of our fave cartoons. Uh, she was on American Crime, Seven Seconds, The Watchmen. She's mm. on The Big Bang Theory. Guys, Boys in the Hood. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. Stella got her groove back. Yeah, baby. Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blue. <laughs> no, Red, White, and Blonde. Pardon me. Oh. You, you want to be Regina King in the White Girl movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or so they say on Orange is the New Black. Yes. She was just in that... Um, James Baldwin adaptation, If Beale Street Could Talk, oh, in 2018. I still haven't she, seen that. She got an Academy Award for it. Oh, goody. That's two Academy Award winning actresses we've got on here. You have such a bit role in this movie, too. Like, I love her. I do love Dr. I, I do love Dr. Banks. As Garth. Oh, boy. Uh, Strasser's sidekick. <laughs> I had Gal... The Jasper to his Horus or yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, exactly. I had Gal Friday. <laughs> we have Peter Firth. <laughs> No relation, as far as I was able to uh, ascertain. The only thing that I know him from, he plays Alan Strang in the film adaptation of Equus from 1977. Oh, no. Yeah. Strang's the doctor, right? The mm. psychologist? No. Oh, he's not? No, he's the guy. Okay. That's sexually attracted to the horse. All right, well. Anyway, uh, playing Pindy. A local poacher. <laughs> a returning character. We have Naveen Andrews. Naveen Andrews from Planet Terror. He was with us, yes, when we did Planet Terror. <laughs> um, he's in The English Patient, Bride and Prejudice. Ooh. He's in 2013 from Diana. Uh-huh. Because he's Hasnat Khan in that movie. Ah, uh, Naveen. You're so fine. He is. He's also uh, Syed Jarrah from Lost. Yes, he is. Uh, that movie? Th that movie. Lost isn't a movie. <laughs> that show was on for seven years? It was a long time. Wow. Playing Dr. Harry Rubin, a supervisor at the California Animal Conservancy, we have David Paymer. Mm -hmm. We've seen his face in things before, mostly on television. <laughs> Law and Order SVU, baby. <laughs> Uh, searching for Bobby Fischer, Ocean's 13, The American President, mm -hmm. Aaron Sorkin. Yep. Drag me to hell. All right. And then playing Quelly, um, Jill's friend from Africa and caretaker, sort of. Uh, we have Robert Wisdom. Uh, Robert Wisdom was in Prison Break. Yeah. He's also in uh, that, that Hulu movie, Vacation Friends. Mm-hmm. Playing Dr. Ruth Young, Jill's mother. We have Linda Pearl. This blew my mind. Guys, she's Fonzie's girlfriend from Happy Days. Well, there's that, yes. Ashley Fister. Um, what a horrible last name. <laughs> uh, she's from she's Sheila Monroe in Visiting Hours. She's on Matlock. She's Ben Matlock's daughter, Charlene. And guys, most importantly, <laughs> she's Helene Beasley from The Office. Pam's mom! Michael, I, I could, could give, give a shit about your happiness. Stop dating my mother. You know what? I'm going to start dating her even harder. What's that supposed to mean? You know what it means. <laughs> God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to drop the soundbite in. We know what we're talking about. Uh, when he finds out that she's 
older when he when she finds when he finds out that she's in like her fifties and he's like, you no, Michael, you're in your forties. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Moving on. One more, I think. Yeah. And we also have Mika Barem. She's returning. Yeah, she's playing young Jill, the little version of Jill. And she is, yeah, she's been with us once before. She was with us when we covered The Patriot. She's Margaret. Yeah. Margaret well, Martin. One of the older daughters. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we absolutely must get to the content. Are you ready to talk about this core classic? I might cry. That's okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that right up at the top. My first note is those first drums are definite. Definite? Definite. Oh, that's so specific. This musical score is so, like I said, transportative with, you know, the opening credit, the RKO Pictures logo Mm -hmm. with the... (laughs) Yeah. It's like, help. (laughs) Yeah. You know, help me, like SOS. And there's these images of these people warring to the top of this mountain. And atop of it stands the mighty guardian of the mountain. Mighty Joe Young. And they emblazon the title across the screen. We begin with the lives of primologist Dr. Ruth Young and her daughter, Jill. Yes. Ruth is living her best Jane Goodall life mm-hmm. out here in uh, Eastern Africa, in Tanzania. I wrote, in Uganda or Tanzania, it's one of them. It's Tanzania. Yeah, no, they're in the Pangani region of Tanzania. And, like, they're studying gorillas. She allows Jill to be pretty up close and personal with this process, despite Jill only being, like, eight years old. Well, Jill gets along very well, in particular, with a six-month-old mountain gorilla named Joe. (laughs) Yeah, Jill has bonded with this gorilla named Joe, who is supposed to be, like, a baby, but he's growing very quickly for his age. Yeah, no, there's something about... It, they, Dr. Banks says something about it later. Yeah, she you does. Know, the faux science or whatever they're putting into this film. <laughs> what did I tell you? But Joe started it. It's not good for them to interact with us. Besides, that wasn't Joe. That was Marley. No, it wasn't. It was Joe. <laughs> Joe's just a baby, Jill. He's too big to be Joe. Check. Check the pictures. And, like, listen, the Youngs, Ruth and Jill, they're not just tourists in this area. They live here. They're very acclimated. They're involved in the community. They can speak fluent Swahili. They have the respect of the locals, including a man named Quelly, who is a friend of Ruth's and is basically a surrogate father for Jill, Mm -hmm. right? He might be her dad. We don't know. Well, I don't know either. (laughs) That's the thing. We never get anything on Jill's dad. And we don't need it because Ruth is doing a fine enough job. Yeah, goddammit. And she and Jill are very close as well. I love the scene where she's putting her to bed in their little hut in the village. Mm -hmm. They have this little lullaby. They sing in Swahili to each other before she goes to sleep. It's called Wind Song. All of a sudden, Quelly bursts into the hut and 
pulls Ruth out because poachers have been spotted east of the village. Poachers are loose on the mountain tonight, led by Andre Strasser, who is here for money and not much else. And we do see them in the woods. The poachers happen upon the gorilla band. That is what a group of gorillas is called. Oh, I wrote pod. A band. A band of gorillas. A band of gorillas. I love that. They're looking for what the locals call Engaizamu, which literally translates to monsters. Anything big or anything valuable they can use on the black market for money, right? And like you said, they come upon the band of gorillas where Joe and his mother are living and they're basically using what is a like a noisemaker like a big keychain right mm-hmm, with to, all those keys on it yeah to agitate the gorillas and scare them it's like if you opened your junk drawer with all the errant bolts and springs and metal bits and strung them together on a set of tattered tidy whities and that's what they're jingling to scare the gorillas like when you stroke comb teeth next to a cat's ear and it <laughs> gags yeah <laughs> and so Ruth and Quelly and some locals spread out into the jungle to catch the poachers, right? Mm -hmm. They're a little too late to save Joe's mother because Strasser takes his rifle and shoots Joe's mother and poor little baby Joe goes tumbling off her back into the brush and Strasser tries to pick Joe up and put him in a sack because he's way more valuable alive, right? Mm -hmm. And Joe promptly bites off his index finger and thumb. Bye. <laughs> the gun he the hand he uses to shoot animals with is no longer usable. Out of here with your opposable functions. <laughs> <laughs> that monkey said fuck your opposable thumbs. <laughs> But this is where we got to stop laughing, right? Yeah, no. Because in the aftermath of him being bitten, this is where Ruth comes upon them and scoops Joe up and tries to run. Yeah, she's trying to get away. But before she can get all the way away, Strasser shoots her in the side. With a high-powered rifle. And he goes tumbling off again. Into the brush. Yeah, and where he is found by... Jill. Yeah. Little Jill who was supposed to stay behind in the hut. Where she's trying to quiet him. That scary image of them holding each other, superimposed on their terrified faces, and they can see just through the clearing, Strasser showing Garth his missing fingers. The woman's got that damn devil with her. But I think you might have shot her. (laughs) These people want to live like heroes. Let them die like heroes. Oh, oh, that little demon took off my thumb and trigger finger. Monstrule, monstrule. Romanian for monster. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. And they get out of there, right? Yeah, the poachers run the F off. And Ruth is like looking around with a flashlight for Joe. Yeah, trying to find Joe. And she finds them both. 
And, like, she just, like, kind of falls to the ground next to them. She's already bleeding out. She's got minutes left without EMS intervention. And she's like, oh, look who's here. You have Joe. And just the way she goes, poor baby. He lost his mommy tonight. Oh. Oh. And that's when Ruth goes, he needs someone to protect him. And without even establishing to Jill that she herself is going to die, Mm -hmm. Ruth is like, Promise me to protect him. It's a lot of pressure to put on an eight year old. Oh, Carrie. I'm crying because... And then they... Yeah, because I'm inconsolable, too, with the lullaby again. They hold each other and sing the wind song lullaby until she dies. Yeah, what a deeply, deeply traumatic event for Tiny Jill. It is, quite frankly, P.U. Profoundly upsetting. And guys... The thing is, like I was saying at the beginning, this community loves Dr. Ruth. Yeah. They love her so much that they host their own funeral for her. They bury her outside the village. That's how important she was to them. Yeah, the shot of the moon with little Jill singing right into the funeral. And they're singing the wind song lullaby again. Mm-hmm. The Swahili to English translation of this is sing a song and for a moment you will be visited by the wind. Mm. Sing a song and for a moment dream sweetly of the wind. Sleep now until the night is dawn. The wind and the night song, they are there. However, the song, my child, will go on forever. Run! I know. Run! It's too much. I, ugh. It's absolutely too much. And it's too much for Jill, too. Because guess who else is at the funeral? It's little Joe. It's little Joe. And Jill runs away from her own mother's funeral to be with Joe. (laughs) They are bonded for life, my friend. All right. Twelve years later. We open on wildlife conservationalist Greg O'Hara. Professor Gregory O'Hara. Professor Gregory O'Hara. He's here to meet Pindy, right? Yeah. And a band of professionals. <laughs> Ross is using finger quotes. <laughs> who are actually just poachers. Yeah. Uh, and who are supposed to be experienced trackers, but Pindy is lying and saying they're uh, not poachers to help him see the sights of Mount Pangani. Yeah, Greg wants to go into the jungle around the village to search for something very specific. I wonder if it's the Engaizamu. Yes, there is the legend that the men fear in the area of Engaizamu, the sacred guardian of Mount Pangani. <laughs> Any man who enters his domain never returns. You see, there is a legend they believe in, that a creature lives there. Engaizamu, sacred guardian of Mount Pangani. They say any man who enters his domain 
never heard of again. You know it? <laughs> How strange. That's not by any chance what you're looking for, is it, boss? Looking for a legend? Why would I want to do that? Okay, Greg. He's so cheeky. Yeah, and I mean, shouldn't he be? <laughs> and this is the thing. This is the thing that's important to establish from the jump. Greg is not a poacher. No. Like, by any stretch of the imagination, he's not a poacher. He's not some idiot with special interests. He loves animals just as much as Ruth did mm -hmm. and wants to study and protect them against the threats that they regularly face at the hands of human beings. It's not It's not Brock Lovett energy, but it's, it still is. You know what I'm saying? Well, Brock Lovett just wanted to rob a grave ship, but yeah. anyway... While out in the wild, Greg and all of these seedy men who might be poachers, we don't know for sure. They're listening to the sounds of the mountain. And there's all this commotion because the men have captured this leopard. Mm. And listen, I didn't look it up, but I've got almost, I've got a funny feeling because this is the only big cat that appears in the movie that this is one of Doc Antle's cats. Because when you watch Tiger King... Oh, please don't do this. When you watch please Tiger King... Please don't talk about it. I... <laughs> when you watch Tiger King... No! And Doc Antle is so excited to talk about all his, quote, film credits, Mighty Joe Young is one of them. All right. So without looking it up, I'm pretty sure this is one of Doc Antle's big cats. Pindy says, this cat will sell well. <laughs> and Greg says, no! I know a guy in Botswana. He paid 10,000 American dollars for that leopard. Now, I'm willing to split with you 50-50. Put him in the truck. Put the cat down now. You heard him? Put the cat down! Wake up! Wake up, Genie! Wake up! Wake up! They never understand me. Pindy, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's the thing. Pindy's garbage, but it's hard not to giggle at Pindy. And, ah, uh, guys, when the trees are moving on their own in a major way, it's always a good sign. Yeah, because when Brock knelt down to collect a blood sample from this leopard, it cried out, right? Mm -hmm. Into the jungle? And it's something heard the leopard, guys. Torrey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> the way the trees are moving. I wrote, go ahead, just keep standing there. <laughs> it's so quiet and guys all it, it gets really quiet for a second and all at once Mighty Joe Young. Guys. He's 15 feet tall and weighs 2,000 pounds, a literal ton. <laughs> and, like, Greg's like, nobody move. Nobody move. I underestimated and misremembered how unreal but still well-executed Joe's portrayal is, mm -hmm. you know, with my 2020 vision. Like, he's obviously fake, but the camera work is still really good. It at least makes it really real for the kids, right? Yeah, no. Um, Joe walks right up to that cage. The one the leopard's in. He tears that 
cage top right off <laughs> and lets that, you know, leopard go free. I'm sure the leopard, while leaping on the way out, is like, thanks, Joe. You know, like, <laughs> they know each other. They're friends. <laughs> yeah. They're both from Mount Pangani, you know. But Joe doesn't hurt the humans. He's going to go about his own business. No, yeah, that's the thing. The way he just shoves that vehicle aside as he's walking away, <laughs> he's like, fuck out of here. Come on, he's getting away. Of course Greg is salivating, right? Come on, we got to go after him. He wants to chase this big thing down so he can get a blood sample. Pandy, what do you mean we? <laughs> Come on, we're going after him. What do you mean we? There's no way my men will risk their lives with something like this. I'll triple your pay. Pesa, Pesa Zaidi. Zaidi, Pesa Zaidi. So they start chasing Joe across the valley. They're trying to hit him with trank darts. He won't go down. He's turning the jeeps over as they get in his way. He really wants to trank this massive animal. Like, this scene is cool, but like, like when they're being evil and bothering this creature... Who should not be bothered. Yeah. You know, he's not a menace. Yeah. He just doesn't want people on his land, and that's fine. <laughs> Greg's got a hypodermic at the end of, like, a long pole, like, trying to get this blood sample in a moving vehicle. And then that one guy in another Jeep gets the brilliant idea that he's going to strap himself See, this is why this is obvious that these men are poachers, because one of their vehicles has a mechanism on the front where a man can strap himself in and then use a long shackle to trap an enormous animal. What the hell's that guy trying to do? Joe is fucking these men and their vehicles up left and right. <laughs> that guy that's got him hooked, uh -huh. you know, in the vehicle you just described, he just drags that guy into the brush. <laughs> and then they get out onto the onto the hill again, and Joe decides he's sick of it. He pulls the chain that that shackle is attached to, which is attached to the front of the vehicle. He pulls the entire front end, including the axle, out of that Jeep. Yeah. Man and all. He's a very intelligent primate. Greg says as much. Did you see it? <laughs> Did you see the intelligence? And Pindy's like, yes, I saw it. He almost took my head off. Greg tells everyone else <laughs> to go back down the mountain and get patched up. And Pindy's like, where the fuck are you going? <laughs> and he's like, I gotta get a closer look at him. Then he takes off into the jungle. Crazy American. He's a lunatic. He is a lunatic he, for doing this. He's going into the jungle alone without a gun, which Greg, I, I love your energy, but at least an elephant gun might have been in your best interests. He doesn't know what the fuck is on this mountain. <laughs> or, duh, maybe he does fucking know what's on this mountain and, and is being a total fucking idiot. Joe was so quiet when approaching him because uh -huh. he's looking for him, right? Yeah. But there he is, all <laughs> of the sudden. <laughs> Joe strings him up by the leg and, like, Joe's sick of him at this point, right? Yeah. He does not want to see him 
anymore. But here comes a 20-year-old Jill to the rescue. Get him to put me down. Joe, drop him. Joe listens to Jill. Yeah, no, that's crazy, right? Joe does whatever Jill says. Joe drops Greg on his head. Knocking him the fuck out. And Greg wakes up in the hospital with Quelly standing over him, telling him how lucky he is to be alive. And, like, Quelly is also bending over backwards to explain to Greg that there's no such thing as a giant gorilla. You're... You're fucking crazy. He's gaslighting him. He is. Greg is up and moving around. He's outside the hospital. There's a little market across the street from the hospital. And he spies Jill in the market buying fruit. And, like, he recognizes her. And Jill's like, I'm not messing with him. Yeah, I know. He's photographing her. And I'm like, (laughs) he's walking so soon. Joe should have dropped him harder. He's not a poacher, Jill. The man works for Animal Conservancy in California. Can't be trusted. He's an outsider. But Jill still says he's an outsider and I don't want a deal. Yeah. You know? They are so biconic. I don't even get me started. So... Greg stalks Jill back up the mountain because he decides he's not had enough. Yeah. Almost dying was not enough. He's crazy for doing this again with crazy. those injuries. Like, he tails her out into the middle of the jungle because he knows she's going to lead him to Joe. Jill has a torch. A flashlight, you know? Yeah. And, like, Greg's literally, like, five feet behind her, hiding behind some banana leaves. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah. And this is how Jill summons Joe, is with the flashlight. It's what he remembers. Mm-hmm. He knows that the flashlight means Jill. Or safety. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, she flashes the flashlight into this brush and whistles for him, and he comes when she calls. They are, the relationship between these two living things, it's like they're besties, they're mother and son, they're brother and sister. It's so many things. Yeah, like, it's kind of hard to define. All we know is that of all the human beings around Pangani, Joe likes Jill best. She's his mommy. Kind of, yeah, she raised him. What were you doing stomping around looking for trouble yesterday, huh? You're not supposed to let people see you, remember? Don't do that again, okay? Please. Please. And guys, I can't believe it. She starts playing hide and seek with this 2,000 pound gorilla. Joe, you cannot just cover your eyes and disappear. You're a colossal gorilla. If that were true, the world might be more peaceful if we could just cover our eyes and disappear. See, but that's what's endearing about it because that's just like a little kid. A a little kid that does a really shitty job of hiding himself during hide and seek. All he did was go around the corner and cover his eyes with his hands. The way she gets around the corner and goes... Oh my, (laughs) I wonder where Joe could be. It's so cute. So she found him, right? Now it's her turn to hide, and she does. And while Joe is looking for Jill, instead of finding Jill, this is not fair, by the way. (laughs) She can find him anytime she wants. 
she can absolutely hide under any clump of weeds and he would never find her. But instead of finding Jill, Joe finds Greg again. He's got his little camcorder out. Nice monkey. Jill, of course, calls Joe off. Yeah, tells him to run. Yeah. And Jill comes up to Greg and sees that he's got that camcorder and immediately picks it up and smashes it against a rock. She's like, I think it's okay. I think it's still working. And then smashes it against the tree. (laughs) Because she doesn't want him to have any photographic evidence of Joe. No evidence. Because she knows that if anybody outside of this jungle knows he's here, it's going to be pandemonium. She says, I've saved your life twice. Next time, I'm just going to let him kill you. (laughs) I love her. (laughs) Greg is insisting that because Joe's been seen now, like by more people than just him, there's going to be an influx of people once word gets out. More poachers, scientists, people who just want to come and tour the jungle, you know? Yeah, he tells her it's now going to be basically impossible for her to protect him from those who want him for money. She said, you know, she tells him, you know, this is where Joe lives. Mm-hmm. Like, he has no choice. And that's when Greg suggests the Conservancy back in California, the California Animal Conservancy. He's kind of like fetch and carry for this uh, conservance conservatory. He goes out, he finds the animals, he brings them back, and the conservatory keeps them safe. We go to Botswana. Oh, yeah. I have meanwhile in Botswana. Remember Andre Strasser? The guy that Joe, you know, took his... His, his, his pew-pew fingers. <laughs> his pew-pew fingers. <laughs> uh, he runs a fraudulent animal preserve where they just take animals that are in need and then mutilate them and sell off their parts. On the black market. Yeah. And on a tip from Pindy, oh. fuck you, Pindy, you were so hot. I know. He's informing on Joe. Strasser is notified of the existence of Joe. What do you want, Pindy? Not what I want, boss. What you want. How about a giant gorilla? Dog. As big as three men. 2,000 pounds at least. You've been drinking, haven't you? I swear to God, boss, I saw him with my own two eyes. He's, he's huge. Don't waste my time, Pindy. And Strasser's like, you're full of fucking shit. You're an idiot, Pindy. Goodbye. (laughs) Hangs up on him. And so he dismisses that. Uh, The next day, I guess, we see Jill get into this scrap with these poachers who are just freely here. Yeah. No one can really stop them from being here, you know? Even though it's illegal to poach. I mean, I don't know what the legal framework is in Tanzania, or at least at the time. Yeah, no. Who knows what it would have been. Obviously, the poachers are becoming ever more present. It's hard to, you know, bark them off the mountain. And Jill does approach Greg, and she's like, all right, what would this consist of? Like... (laughs) Not the fledgling chemistry between Greg and Jill. (laughs) Yeah, no, because she wants to trust him, but doesn't trust him. And she's like, listen, I'll trust you if you practice our, quote, local ritual on making packs where I let you get bit by a spider that will force you to hallucinate. A makiki spider. You'll have a high fever, hallucinations. You'll say things, lots of things. I'll hear what's in your heart. Then, if your intentions prove true, then we have a pack. Spider bite and hallucinations? That's right. Then you'll trust me to take you and Joe to California with me? Absolutely. 
We get these shots of Joe and Jill saying goodbye to the valley. And I know. They're home, and she's looking deep into his big, beautiful brown eyes and saying, you know, I know it's scary, but... I don't know what else to do. I just want you to be safe. Uh, and that's where I have... She's not his mother, but she is his mother, goddammit. I will not be told otherwise. Every time they look at each other, I think of them holding each other when they were small, mm-hmm. hiding from those poachers. Cut to the safest place on earth, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> we are headed to the California Animal Conservancy. My heart goes into my throat, Carrie, whenever I see a Chevy Blazer. Oh, stop. I love one in red. <laughs> Mine was in white, but I would have loved to have Greg's in red. Yeah, like Greg and... Uh, Jill are in the blazer ahead of the big semi that's toting Joe across L.A. When we show up to the Conservancy, they've got, you know, tons of stuff. Elks. Yaks. Rhino. Rhino. (laughs) (laughs) That badly animated rhino is pulling in. We're introduced to uh, Dr. Cecily Banks and Dr. Harry Rubin. Love Banks, hate Rubin. Yeah, Cecily's a zoologist, and uh, Rubin is basically the supervisor, big man in charge of the preserve, right? All right, I'm a little confused, though, Harry, because you phoned us to say you're bringing back a 2,000-pound wild animal. Welcome back, Greg. But security tells me you requested no fire hoses and no restraints of any kind. Come on, let me introduce you to somebody. Well, how are we supposed to control this animal with a giant rolled-up newspaper? Jill Young, I'd like you to meet Dr. Harry Rubin, who runs the place. Nice to meet you. Hi. And Dr. Cecily Banks, who makes sure he doesn't screw it up. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you, Bob. Like, the whole staff has gathered to watch this colossal animal come in. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're 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 mystified at the fact that they've been assured they will not need any restraints or any tranquilizers to control <laughs> this animal. They're like, what are you talking about? You said he was 15 feet tall and weighed a ton. <laughs> and Jill's like, I got this. And Harry's like, hold on, hold on, I'm in charge. And Greg's like, shut the fuck up and let the lady deal with the monkey, please. They back him in, into his little paddock that they've set up for him. I'm so happy that we both use the word paddock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and when, I just, I love that. I love her coaxing him out of the trailer. Oh, yeah. Hey, Joe, come on. Nothing happened. You're not scared of those people, are you? I promise nothing will happen to you, okay? Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe, come on. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, you big guy. She coaxes him back out, and he kind of takes to his little space a little bit. You know? Like, I I love the shot that we get right after that of him just sitting by himself in that tiny enclosure. Well, that's the thing. It's tiny up front where people can walk by and see him. Banks does say he has the whole hillside to roam around. Yeah. And just, like, looking at Joe in his little paddock, he's it's just comical because he could very easily leave. Well, and the fact that he's deciding not to is every indication that Jill is his protector. and he's doing what Jill wants him to do. Exactly. It's not super easy for him to leave. There are electrified fences, but he could, I'm sorry, literally step over them. All right, well. I'm just saying. 
The next day, we get a visit from a stuffed shirt, the chairman of the board of the conservatory. Elliot Baker. Elliot Baker. I hate Harry sucking up to Baker. Oh, yeah. Harry's taking him on a tour of the whole compound. And, of course, Joe is going to be the big, you know, end to this journey. See, the gorillas in the Pangani carry this recessive gene that pops up every four or five generations huh. with this rare form of gigantism. And that's where the legend comes from. But I knew it was more than a legend, so I followed my gut instinct. I just had a hunch that this thing was true. Harry's taking all of the credit for finding Joe when it was really Greg, and even then... It was really Ruth Young. Yeah. <laughs> Greg only found him because he followed Jill into the jungle, but I digest. Mm-hmm. They take this... I hate that we use that seriously now. <laughs> Digress. Anyway. They take Baker. <laughs> they take Baker out to Joe's paddock, and Joe's not around. He's MIA. He's probably running around the hills out back. Yeah. And so Harry thinks it would be a great idea to enter the paddock on his own. And find him. And try and feed him so he'll come out for the chairman of the board. Harry tells Cecily he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> He did not. He did not. Because this leads to chaos. Joe doesn't know who Harry is. And Greg and Jill arrive on the scene as Joe is tearing up the paddock, trying to get to Harry, who is crouched in fear behind a brush. Now we have a whole emergency with an angry gorilla. Like people are getting the trank darts ready. And Jill's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because when she gets there, she can see... He's not upset. He's doing his, he's, you know, when he jumps up and down all happy and he's doing his, uh, 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 you know, he's he, happy. He thinks that Harry is playing hide and seek with him. She says, Harry, just jump out from behind the tree and say, you found me. It'll be fine. And he's like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> no, I'd rather not. Just jump out and say, you found me. Well, he knows he's found me. That's the problem. Harry, do what she says. You found me. And the Joe goes off to hide himself <laughs> because it's his turn. I have, I could cry. Yeah, I know. Because Jill knows he's playing. It means he's happy. He's comfortable. She's beside herself. Baker says, give Jill a job like last year, please, because we're going to need her for situations like these. He's like, put her on the payroll as Joe's official handler, you know? And this is great. This is great news. She's officially not only in charge of Joe, but is going to be paid for being in charge of Joe. Cecily thinks Greg's got it bad for Gorilla Girl. Well, because he's happy seeing her happy that Joe is happy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, back in Botswana... Ugh. Strasser sees Joe on a CNN report, and he's like, Pindy was fucking right. Oh, my God, look at this. Isn't that the... Wait, Joe was raised from infancy by Jill Young, the daughter of famed primatologist Ruth Young. Their closeness stems from a tragic bond. Both Joe's and Jill's mothers were killed by poachers 12 years ago in the Pentagon. Bloody hell, that's him! They both became orphans on the same night. That's him, that's the little fellow who bit your finger off. Strasser says they're going to go to California. Yeah, oh my God. Because also in the report, not only does he see Jill as an adult, but he sees a picture. 
of Ruth Young. That is the little monkey and the little girl that got my finger and thumb removed. Yeah, so a little bit of time passes, but we see that Garth, Strasser's little sidekick, mm-hmm. has... um. He's hiding in a tour group of the Conservancy. Yeah, he's here for recon. And he's not interested in this endangered yak. (laughs) So he sneaks off to the gorilla paddock. And he's got with him, wouldn't you guess, that little noisemaker thing. Joe's just sitting in his paddock munching on banana leaves, minding his own GD business. And Garth takes that noisemaker out of his pocket and holds it over the edge of the gate and just jingles it. His eyes, it, his eyes. He's like, it's like, it's like an insidious. Uh-huh. It's like, I know you. I re- I know who you are. I remember you. You remember? Don't you? <laughs> and then after that happens... We see the beach date. <laughs> oh, no. Between Greg and Jill. So this is what you call a good meal at a fine restaurant. Yeah, Greg has taken Jill out for a purely platonic little outing. They're at the Santa Monica Pier eating food truck food. Yeah, they've got fried food. They're walking barefoot on the beach. There's a saxophone player on the pier. And Jill knows enough, you know, despite never having left Africa, to realize that this resembles a North American date, you know? She's never been on a date before. God love her, she's 20! Yeah. And, like, he's obviously into her. She has the same passion for animals that he does. And she starts asking him about this whole concept of dating and falling in love. Well, it's... Kind of like being bit by a Makiki spider. <laughs> and how's that? You get kind of a fever. Fever? Oh, and then? And then you, you find yourself saying things. Lots of things. Oh, with the woodwinds in the background. Oh, I know. Uh, saved by the beeper, though. Yeah, no, their romantic moment is interrupted by a 911 page from the reserve because Joe is going nuts. The pager just says, Joe trouble. Yeah, no, Garth has agitated him with this keychain, and now Joe is fretfully upset. Yeah, Joe is mad as fuck that one of his mother's murderers has returned, and he is tearing shit apart in this habitat. He's re-landscaping. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when Harry's like, can you stop him before he re-landscapes? the whole habitat. Yeah, the way Jill finally gets in there and she's just like, I know. You tore apart all this expensive shit. They're going to bill me for that. (laughs) But guys, 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 this is where I cry for the second time. I know, because she has to soothe him, right? She gets in that big baby's enormous arms and starts singing him the wind song lullaby. It's giving Kong, but it's cute, you know? Yeah, it's not like, you know, this big animal has, you know, captured this helpless blonde. The blonde is in his arms willingly. The helpless blonde has captured the gorilla. (laughs) was beauty that raised the beast. Aww, and like, 
Greg's like standing there listening to her. She gives a good performance. She does. It's very nice. And like the next day, Jill is trying to convince Baker that this party that they're going to have tonight to like unveil Joe to the public. Yeah, it's a fundraiser. There, People are there to make money. And, you know, it's just, he, she's just like, listen, this is not at all a good idea. Joe is not in a good way right now. I'm telling you, you're going to have to postpone this. It's too soon. Miss Young, let me give you some advice. Stop worrying about Joe and start worrying about what you'll wear to the party tonight. Chill out. Find yourself a nice dress. Everything's going to be copacetic. It would not. It would not. And Jill, quite literally, bumps into Strasser on her way out. Yeah. And Strasser, he's doing his social engineering. Oh, boy. He's telling her, I'd know you anywhere. You're Ruth Young's daughter. I'm an old friend of your mother's. I knew her when she was uh, only a little older than you. And you were just a tiny thing. (sighs) But an incredible woman she was. I'm sorry. I'm André Strasser. I've come here to talk with your Mr. Baker. Actually, I'm here for Joe. And he's telling her that he has a preserve in Botswana that would give Joe the space he needs, and that he's also coming to the event tonight. So if they want to talk over it further, he'll be around. He gives her a card. He does it very well. He's playing her like a set of conga drums, I swear to God. And she's feeding right into it because she's already having second thoughts about this move, right? Half my training at my government job is about how to not fall victim to social engineering. (laughs) So that people don't steal your data or like people's data from the government. Like we learn learn constantly about like phishing and security breaches. Me too. I work for a PI. Yeah, like... Fucking cheers. And I mean, like, he's doing it in the 90s way, but... (laughs) So we arrive at the benefit. Carrie. Yeah? Carrie. Yeah? I'm sweating. Uh Uh-huh. There are no words to describe how she looks in that dress. Oh, yeah. Because Jill arrives at the benefit. First of all, this benefit is being held in an outdoor tent. Right! By the gorilla paddock. Yeah, because what's going to happen eventually is there are going to be some speeches and they're going to very dramatically drop the back of the tent so that the benefactors can get a good look at Joe, right? Yeah. But that's not the good look we're concerned with at the moment. We got to talk about this dress. (laughs) My stars and garters. It's giving Marilyn, (sighs) you know, like... She's so, like, listen, she's so gorgeous, but she's also so awkward. She's never been made up that way. Yeah, I know. In her life. I feel so stupid in this dress. You look anything but stupid. Come on, let's get a drink. Why are they staring at me? Well, they're not staring at you. They're staring at uh, that banana tower. It's, it's like it's making me, this is, it's giving, I'm attracted to women. Yeah, what? yeah, no. I'm not saying Charlize Theron made me queer. I'm saying she's not blameless. I'm glad Harry has cocktail sauce on his shirt. <laughs> he looks like a fucking idiot. He I... has to give a speech. <laughs> right after Baker gives his little spiel. I do like part of Harry's speech, though. Yeah. Because, like, he's when he gets up to start talking, and, like, Strasser and Garth are standing in the back, and Harry's talking about how, like, you know, on all of your drives in here tonight, three species went extinct. Yeah. Somewhere in the world. And it's at that point that Strasser and Garth dip out of the tent, 
to go antagonize Joe. Yeah, they go right up against the fence, right where Garth was before. Take that noisemaker out of their pocket. So, you haven't forgotten me. Good. His roars are interrupting Harry's speech, I love and everybody's it. like, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of the roars are actually big cat sounds. Like lions and shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet, uh, yeah, I get, wow. <laughs> <laughs> More of a cat about the monkey than we thought. Huh? Uh, yeah. And, like, everyone can hear the disturbances, but no one goes to check. Yeah, no. Is my thing, like, Jill tries to get up three times I counted <laughs> and every time Greg puts her back down like it'll be fine and she's like listen something's wrong I think it's so crazy that Joe remembers them yeah but Jill doesn't I know I know like I mean well Joe got more of a look at them I guess than she did and he's associating it more with the noisemaker than anything else she hasn't seen the noisemaker and right as they're introducing Mighty Joe Young. Oh, this is so bad. A tree comes crashing into the tent because Joe knocked it down. Joe? It's okay. Come on, Joe. The music. Oh, this is great. And the, the, the ch- Joe's looking around. And, like, everybody's like, okay, this thing just busted in here. And, like, y- you know, the, the mayhem that ensues. This shot, I love. It's my favorite shot in the movie. Oh. Because Joe sees Strasser. Yeah. Standing at the back. And I was completely, after what I noticed watching this again with my 2020 vision, I remembered this shot and I was expecting it to look bad. It's like one of the best shots in the film concerning Joe. You're talking about the shot where he sees Strasser and, and then barrels across the room. Yeah. Taking everybody's table and them off to the side. Yeah. No. Joe. This was always so scary for me as a kid because it's like when Sully roars, you're like, oh no, you were really fun five seconds ago and now you're terrifying me. Strasser got right out of sight in that, you know, first barrel over. And so Joe's just picking up any man with long gray hair and throwing (laughs) him aside. And guys, like, this does not go well. They trank him to sleep. Yeah. And, you know, Jill is devastated. Greg is devastated. LOL, the news. <laughs> oh, not the news. The gorilla literally crashed the party. Officials here at the Conservancy are saying they don't know what caused the animal's rampage. More than a dozen there people were injured. Eight of them, of them remain hospitalized. In fact, three lawsuits have been filed so far, and word has that the city's attorney is calling for the animal to be put to sleep. This gorilla literally crashed the party. <laughs> And Who wrote that copy? And guys, it's not all laughs, because when you think about this, this is no small thing. This is very, very bad for this animal conservancy. There are a dozen people injured. He injured some very wealthy people. And, uh, guys, so Elliot Baker's on TV and telling the public, because, like, 
the city attorney wants to get involved. Oh, like no, Joe is, there is talk of Joe being euthanized for the public safety. I mean, at least he didn't kill anybody. He didn't kill anybody, but, but like, that's he, still a big, serious problem. He's more of a liability than an asset at this point. And Baker is telling everyone on TV, we'll do anything to protect the public safety. So Joe is literally in lockup. No, remember this whole movie, the only thing that Jill was concerned about is that he would end up in a cage. And now he's in gorilla jail. He's in gorilla jail. And it's so sad. It it's this sad. fortified concrete building that he's been placed in. <laughs> and basically, the government's like, hey, he's going to stay there uh-huh. until we decide what to do. And like, she and Greg are in the bunker. And like, none of this is his fault. I know. As if they would actually punish this animal, is my thing. I knew there was something wrong with him. What do you think happened out there? Joe would have never hurt those people unprovoked. Something must have got to him. This is, if this is anyone's fault... It's the conservatory's fault. It's Greg's. It's Greg's fault. If, If this is anyone's fault, it's Greg's fault and the fault of poaching. Like, I am not prepared to lay any of this at Greg's Greg brought feet. him here. I know Gre- Greg, Greg brought him here. Greg brought him here for what was supposed to be a good purpose. If he had thought this through and followed it through to its conclusion, he would have realized this is not a good idea. If Strasser and Garth had not intervened, this might have gone way better. Harry pulls Jill out of the room to talk over some probably legal business uh-huh and like we had this nice little moment between joe and greg and this whole time joe has not been super into greg he's a foreign man taking away his mommy sister yeah and <laughs> not the mommy sister and, label and like i just mm, oh this moment does something mm, to me no it's it's so much uh, he's like i promised you wouldn't be put in a cage i'm sorry joe Greg presses himself up against the bars and he sticks his arm down into the cage and holds Joe's colossal hand. He puts his hand in Joe's and Joe just looks over at him and squeezes his hand. I love that shot where he looks right at the camera as though he's looking at Greg and the big eyes as if to say, you're all right. Yeah. You're okay, Greg. I like you. Somehow he knows this is Greg's fault. Somehow he knows Greg just said sorry. <laughs> I, I wrote, he's friend now. Yeah, no, he's friend now. The government of Los Angeles is coming after them. And like Jill and Harry are having this conversation and Harry's like, he's going to remain in here indefinitely until the government decides what to do. And Jill's like, I just, I love this line. He's not a killer. Okay, okay. But unless you can write a check for millions of dollars and and, and find him a big backyard somewhere, then Joe's got nowhere to go. I'm sorry. Harry, you're not gonna do anything? And Harry just like looks at her and like leaves the room. And I'm like, okay, Harry. It's okay, there's time left for Harry to be a good guy. So what then transpires, because there's no other options, she's gonna take Strasser up on his offer. Greg, Cecily, and Jill secretly break Joe out of the gorilla jail in the middle of the night. (laughs) only to be immediately caught by the guard. The guard is pointing a rifle at Joe (laughs) in the open jail cell door. (laughs) 
Dr. Banks is like, listen, I have to give him his medicine and I have to take him to the clinic for that. Who says? Doctor's orders. And I'm the doctor. Yeah, well, uh, I take my orders from Mr. Baker. So put him back in his cage now. Officer, you don't want to point that thing at him, believe me. Jill <laughs> shoots a tranquilizer dart into the cop's neck. The way she, in the most Pollyanna way, looks at Greg and goes, he didn't believe you. Jill is going to pay legally for <laughs> tranking that guard with who knows what's in that dart. She has no idea. She certainly doesn't know. What if he dies? That's a murder charge. It's a Disney movie. The way they did not back this trailer up to the jail, they led him into the open. After being jailed like that, I would have gone anywhere else. No, but that's the thing. Jill is leading him into this semi-trailer mm-hmm. that is being driven by Strasser and Garth. Oh, I love, I love Cecily. I'm gonna miss those big brown eyes. Oh, aren't we all? Oh, and it's like we're saying goodbye, and guys, Harry helped. Yeah, Harry did end up helping. He did give Cecily the okay to break that big beautiful monkey out of jail. And the way Harry Rubin, Jill Young, Gregory O'Hara. Cecily Banks and Elliot Baker are about to be prosecuted by the government of California (laughs) for what is about to ensue. Oh, I know. It won't happen, but it should have happened. We never talk about this. (laughs) As if anyone would be able to decide that this was the fault of none of them. I know, I know. About what is about to happen. So, yes. They were going to kill him, right? Strasser is behind the wheel. And, like, they drive off. This very awkward goodbye happens between Jill and Greg. Because Greg's going to stay behind and help deal with some of the fallout so they can get away, right? Jill gets in the truck cab with Strasser and Garth, and they drive off. They're like, come on, the plane is waiting. And I'm like, I'm, excuse me, excuse me. Are you telling me that there is a plane that is able to be privately owned that could successfully transport a 2,000-pound gorilla across the Atlantic Ocean? Strasser. Uh, Strasser's got big money. I hate it, though. He's got black market money. Uh, And so just as they've pulled away, these two doofuses that work for the (laughs) Conservancy, I don't know these characters' names. They're just a couple of zookeepers. I don't need to know. They look like two production aides that they put in the movie. Yeah, I know. It's very, um... uh, (laughs) Twister. Yeah, it's very Twister, and it's very, um... Lewis yeah. from Titanic. Yeah, it Mr. is. Mr. Bodine. That really sucks, lady! She's a goddamn liar! <laughs> and so they are, they've been cleaning up the tent that was ruined the night of the event, and they found the noisemaker. Oh, no. Strasser and Garth dropped it in the ensuing mayhem, and Greg recognizes it. Where did you find this? About a habitat. Oh, we got to find those two guys. Oh, what yeah. two guys? What's that? That one guy, he was, what, Lithuanian? Yeah, Russian. Russian. Eastern European. Is everything okay? That thing's used by poachers. That stuff's used by poachers. Immediately into the Chevy Blazer we go to take off after Joe, Strasser, and Garth. And then we see... I'm sorry, this is not the way to the airport. (laughs) If you know anything about L.A. geography, why the fuck are they on Sunset Boulevard? (laughs) I don't know 
where this conservancy is. This is not the way to the airport. Oh my god. And so they're in traffic. Jill, Jill's in between them on the hump in the seats. Mm-hmm. She's looking over at Andre's hand, over at Strasser's hand, you know, right? His little pew pew glove, you know. Yeah. yeah. Seeing that glove that hide his missing digits. And she <laughs> what? Digits. Digits, yes. And she asks him how it happened. Well, you could say I had an encounter with the most monstrule. <laughs> monstrule. Oh, that little demon took off my thumb and trigger finger. Monstrule. Monstrule. She remembers in that moment, monstrule, monstrule. No, like, I love this moment. It's almost like, it's almost like the signifier of the final act of this is the drums starting and the shot directly into her eyes. And like, we hear Greg (laughs) skirting up behind it. Like he's diving through traffic, honking the horn incessantly. She sees him in the rearview mirror. Strasser takes one look at the mirror, one look at Jill, and then goes for his gun. But Jill's too quick on him. Oh, she makes the absolute unhinged decision to elbow him in the face, climb over him, and jump out the passenger side door. She goes rolling into traffic. What did I do? Those are the guys who killed my mother. We gotta go. Joe's in trouble. She's yelling at Joe to make a run for it, so Joe starts throwing himself against the sides of the semi, trying to tip it over. I think, you know, this movie being so core for me, this was actually the birth of my love of Matchbox cars. Really? Because I would love to have my toy cars and reenact this scene Ooh. from Mighty Joe Young, where they're all getting, f- all these cars are crashing into each other. It's like, <laughs> you remember I had 1,500 Hot Wheels. Yeah, you did. And like... You could actually reenact this scene. I think this was the core birth of my love of toy cars and disaster. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like, Joe knows he's in trouble. He knows Mommy Jill told him to get out. And so Joe successfully tips the whole trailer <laughs> and the semi-truck too. And guys, Joe emerges. <laughs> he punches through the side of that trailer. When he gets on top of the trailer and the people are all like freaking out and staring <laughs> up at him. Joe takes off into L.A. completely unaccompanied. It is chaos down here, Tom. I'm glad he got to see Sunset Boulevard. Like, <laughs> and, like, Joe is, like, in this part of L.A. He's by Grauman's, and it's not very well animated. It's like it's like there were two editors. Yeah. One who was on top of it until the last act, and then it was like, oh, Jerry, can you do the last part of the film? <laughs> and Jerry took, like, eight bong rips and then animated all of this. I look. Listen, the part that I do love is when, as he's going up to Grauman's... The girls in the convertible. There's all these young women in this convertible, and he doesn't hurt... He's not hurting anybody, he by the way. He just picks it up and puts it out of the way. Like it's a Barbie car! <laughs> that chick in the passenger seat laughing, and they're like, <laughs> Oh my god, shut up! Oh my god, 
God. We are all her. And guys, the, the, the cops are starting to show up. Andre and Strasser, they bailed from the trailer, the overturned trailer. They stole some dude's car. I love that because as they are carjacking that guy, (laughs) he's gathering his things and he's like, that's the fifth time this year. (laughs) It's LA. Yeah, You know know what I'm saying? He's on top of the Hollywood sign. He's looking for Jill. He's in one of the O's. Yeah. (laughs) He's standing in the middle of one of the O's. And he sees in the very long away distance. At the Santa Monica Pier. This searchlight beaming back and forth across the skyline and guys he thinks that's jill with her flashlight summoning him yeah Yeah. she's like i'm here come at me like come, come, come to me joe tracks the searchlight to the santa monica pier where a carnival is happening we see this little kid Named Jason. Yes. Who is about to become very significant to this narrative. He's he, getting on the Ferris wheel. He wants to get on the Ferris wheel. But he doesn't want mom to come with because she threw up last time. Yeah, so she stays on the ground while he gets on up into the Ferris wheel. And that's going to come back to hurt me in the worst way. Poor little Jason is about to have the most traumatic night of his young life. There's so many families here just trying to enjoy a nice night. And it's in this moment we see Jill and Greg in the car and Jill real realizes that he is going towards the searchlight. He thinks it's me. That's it. Um, Joe shows up at the carnival with no money. <laughs> it's rough. And because this is L.A. and it's Santa Monica, a very nice part of L.A., everyone starts running. The way he just casually walks into the carnival, <laughs> bumping his head on the big archway coming in. Everyone is leaving. <laughs> I wrote, everyone run in every direction. <laughs> and also. Well, that's the thing. It's mainly the adults who are freaking out. All the kids are like, no, mommy, let's stay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and Strasser and Garth are here. Yeah. Staking out the carnival. But because why or how they knew to come here is continuity error. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Jill and Greg also arrive. They're spreading out. They're looking for him. Strasser tries to shoot Jill from their car. Like with a scope. Yeah, he misses. It hits the searchlight and starts a fire. Oh, Jesus. Which begins to spread very quickly. And Garth is like, hey, man, that's (laughs) not cool. (laughs) You're not a hunter. You're a murderer. And I don't want any part of this. Anything else on your mind? This fire is spreading very quickly. Everyone is running in every direction. I feel so bad for Joe. He has little to no idea what's going on. Jill finally thinks she's seen Joe, and she's running up to him, but Strasser stops her in her tracks with Mm. a pistol in her face, right? Yep. This is it. He's going to execute her right here in front of God and everybody. And the Ferris wheel fire. And the Ferris wheel (laughs) fire. And as he's going to pull the trigger... Joe is coming right up behind him. The way she smiles. Goodbye, Jill. Meet your mother in hell. Goodbye. (gasps) (gasps) Joe throws him into the power lines and he is electrocuted to death. I wrote, Joe murders Strasser. (laughs) 
Good fucking riddance. The only guy he's killed in this whole movie. Hope your whole venture folds, Strasser. <laughs> Greg is in the middle of helping the Ferris wheel operators get the kids off the burning ride, mm -hmm. right? And that's when the power system to the ride blows and the rotation completely stops, right? Mm -hmm. And the police are arriving. Greg and Jill are trying to persuade the snipers not to shoot Joe where he stands. And this is where Joe looks up and sees at the top of that Ferris wheel... Little Jason. Crying for his mommy. He's stuck at the top of the Ferris wheel, guys! Officer, I can't find my son, and I never saw him get off the Ferris wheel! Look! Oh my god! Jason! Mommy! I think it's I think it's really sweet because Joe sees a tiny human. Mm -hmm. Crying for his mommy. Oh. Joe was crying for his mommy one night. Yeah. And so Joe takes off up the Ferris wheel. I just love the, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Jill's <laughs> like, baby, what are you doing? <laughs> and he just starts climbing. He's not even questioning it. He's going to try and save him. Don't shoot. And so he gets to the top. He's very going down, sir. <laughs> Don't make me laugh right now. He picks Jason up and he holds him too. You know, very safe, very and arrow, and <laughs> very iron giant. Yeah, and you know the the Ferris wheel is sparking and flames, and it's breaking down. There's two thousand pounds of weight holding it down on top. Oh, the fire's pretty much melted the foundations. This ride is about to tip over. Oh my God, it's gonna tip. You know what, Ross? This was one of the most amazing pieces of trivia that I learned about this movie. That they actually tipped it. That they built a full-size, fully operational Ferris wheel that fell over on cue in one take. Wow. <laughs> I bet everyone pissed their pants and went to their knees when that was over. Because Joe, Joe is falling, little Jason's in his arms, and he just, right before the Ferris wheel hits the ground, he jumps off of it so they won't be crushed by it. And, like, it's such a climactic moment when he smashes into the pavement. Everyone's running up to the big gorilla, Greg pries poor little Jason out of Joe's grip. And Jill, Jill is breaking me in this moment. She can't wake him up. She can't wake him up. He won't open his eyes. Ross, I'm crying again. <laughs> she, she, that's her best friend in this whole world. That's her baby. Mm -hmm. She promised her own mommy that she would protect him. And I really believe Charlize Theron in these moments. She's acting against a motionless puppet, and I believe every minute of it. Joe? Mommy, is he gonna be okay? I don't know, honey. No. No. 
Where's the Oscar? Yeah, for real! Where's the Oscar? Charlize Theron deserved this Oscar. But it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a Disney movie, guys. He starts stirring. Yeah, don't lose your wigs. He's fine. Uh, it's, uh, God, Joe comes to and realizes that Jill is crying, and he's actually trying to comfort her. Mm-hmm. Like that shot of his big finger. Yeah. Stroking her cheek like, it's okay. And like, guys, this is a fucking disaster. There's no way the legal authorities of Los Angeles County are not coming after that conservancy, after Baker, after Jill, after Greg. Like, it's over, right? You would want to focus on the legal. And Jill is like, where are we going to go? There's nowhere else to go. Somewhere safe means a new home for Joe. Where are we going to get that kind of money? I've got some money for Joe. Here, for Joe. Come on, folks, let's help him out. And Jason, I have some money for Joe. Oh, Jason takes money out of his own pocket that he was supposed to use on the friggin' dart booths, right? Yeah. And and hands it to Jill. And then everyone else starts digging in their pockets for money. Yeah. And they're all handing Jill money, and she's like, thank you, thank you. (laughs) And then we get our last little sequence here. This is so nice. Because, again, it's some time later, they've obviously been able to get together buku amounts of money for Joe and their cause. Dear Cecily, I promised to write you when Joe was settled, and now I finally can. With all the contributions people sent in for Joe, we were able to buy a beautiful land preserve that's even big enough for him. dedicated the Joe Young Wildlife Park today, and it was one of the happiest days of my life. The Joe Young Wildlife Preserve. The way this... He has a surname, guys. Yeah. It's it's Young, okay? Mr. Young of Africa? He is a member of this GD family. The Joe Young Wildlife Park, I should say. I love it. Uh, we have a nice little Jill voiceover here at the end. At last... I have kept my promise to my mother. The people here are saying Ngaizamu, the sacred guardian, has returned to protect the mountains. Other people still say Ngaizamu is just a legend. I say, legends live forever. And then trumpets! Na, 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 na. Guys, they did it. Yeah, they did it. And Carrie, you gotta keep this credits going because this is the best version of the wind song. Oh, guys, that is just 
That is just so core. <gasps> that is so core for us. It's so uh, emotional. And while the relationship between the Joe character and the Jill character isn't exactly a mother-child relationship, it's pretty damn close, you uh, know? Yeah, like, it demonstrates the kind of love that carries not only through generations, but species, you yeah, know? This is not just a monster on the loose type of story. This is a film with a lot of emotion behind it. Joe and Jill, their bond, their love for one another, that transcends all language or human understanding, really. What this plot leaves us with is the appreciation of the protector. And who is the protector in everyone's life, or at least who should be? Yeah. Their mother. Mm-hmm. You know? And it even goes beyond that for me, because it's not just about being protected by one's caretaker, but it's also about how it, it is incumbent upon us as human beings to protect nature against human interests, where humanity at large would rather violate and pillage the habitats of beautiful animals and hunt them for a monetary value. This is a story about defending those animals and their homes. I'm sorry, somehow Disney managed to be right for once. Yeah, I know, yeah. Like, you gotta show up for animals and for causes that are just really not being paid attention to. This is one of the places where I learned for the first time that wildlife is not only important, but also needs defending by humans against other humans who would sack it for their own gain. Like what, you want to kill an elephant so you could make chopsticks out of its tusks, you monster? Yeah, I know. It, it's, ooh, I'm getting my blood pressure, I feel okay. it. It's okay, it's okay. But no, yeah, guys, that's just, ugh. That's a good one. It's one I've literally always had. And I'm really glad that we've covered it now. Mm -hmm. And I love the James Horner. <laughs> and I love the Charlize Theron. And I, I love the big monkey. You know, I... Uh, now I want a Joe. You want a Joe? Not like not a 2,000-pound, 15-foot-tall gorilla. But you would like just, you know, a regular-sized gorilla that... I want a fur baby. You want a fur baby. Does it have to be a gorilla? No, it doesn't have to be a gorilla. Can we start you off with like a little beagle and then see how we feel from there? <laughs> <laughs> I know, you want a beagle real Mighty bad. Mighty BG Mac. <laughs> 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 All right, let's quit monkeying around and... Oh! 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 You're fired! <laughs> Haven't fired you in a while. <laughs> Get her out of here. <laughs> nope, she's done. She's done. It's one too many puns. I'm sick. She's knocking me sick. I swear. Uh, I can't. I can't breathe. <laughs> oh! Next week, going along with our little potpourri fashion, we're just doing some stuff, getting them out of the way, stuff we haven't done in a while that we've been wanting to do. And um, one particular listener out there is going to be very happy about this decision. Mm -hmm. And it's for your birthday, girl. Yeah, it sure it's, is. It's not going to be released on your birthday, but it's pretty damn close. Guys, next week, we will be covering the 1998, uh, let's call it a fantasy drama. Sure. Even though it doesn't hit a lot of fantasy, but it is based on a fairy tale. Yeah. We will be covering Ever After. We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing it, baby. We know, we know. We're finally listening to you. 
look out for that next week, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, and retweet, guys. We want everyone to come and join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, a sorry mom. mom.